Hey everyone, welcome to the second episode of the Last Word on Sends podcast. Uh, today we have a great interview with uh, Matt Bosty. I think a bunch of you probably know him from Twitter. If you don't, it's uh, he's one of the funniest guys I've ever gotten to talk to, so I know you'll enjoy that. Uh, just quickly, I wanted to say thanks for ev- to everyone for making the first episode such a success and... Um, you know, just liking, sharing, listening to the podcast. You can now officially find uh, this podcast anywhere you listen to your podcast. So Apple, Spotify, wherever. Uh, if it's not on where you usually listen to podcasts, just shoot me a message and I will do my best to uh, get it on that, whatever site that may be. Um, so yeah, I'm not going to waste any more time. Uh, let's just get straight into today's episode. Thank you. Joining me now is uh, my friend Matt Bosty. You can find him on Twitter at Matt Bosty, and I'm sure most people listening probably already know. And I've got to be honest, up until I feel like it was a couple weeks ago, someone tweeted this out saying they just kind of pronounced your na- last name as Bosty for whatever reason. Oh, that was, I was Connor. I was yeah. fully 100 those 100 in that crowd as well. I was like, oh yeah, I guess it's not spelled like that <laughs> at all. <laughs> well, it's it's it, it, okay. So every. Like, think back into your life. How many mats do you know? There's probably, like, a huge handful, 30, 40. Yep. You run into mats everywhere. My last name's Bostelar. Uh, it's a cool Dutch last name, but it doesn't, it doesn't lend itself to being, like, a cool nickname that you give to someone. So I was at work at a place where there was another mat, and people just started calling me Bosty, and it's just kind of stuck with me. It works out pretty well, and also, like, it, it's, it's catchy, it's brandable. I will. I'll allow people to pay me for for the use of it. Like there's there's a lot to it that's pretty good. But uh, oh, it's, a, I was... it's an absolutely great name nickname. Like it's perfect. <laughs> I, I don't even know why. Like because you think about it, it's like no, like Boasty would be with an A. Like there's no A anywhere. It's like what what I, am I doing? I think <laughs> it works too for Boasty because if you if anyone has followed me on Twitter for more than a week, you will see that I will be boasting about tweets that I find funny, and usually they're my own tweets. So I am boasting about my own stuff. So maybe that's why people think it. You just go hand in hand. I'm fine with Boasty. I'm fine with Boosty. I've had people call me Boosty before. Uh, I try. I'm trying to make uh, B O S T Y P A R T Y catch on because it's the dumbest thing I could come up with. But like, I, I just, I don't know. I'm seeing it as like a, a dumb sitcom entrance. Like, picture Kramer and Seinfeld entering a door, but it's me going B O S T Y P A R T Y, and that's uh, that's been what that's what I've been doing with my COVID time, I guess, coming up with ideas like that. Hey, I mean, there's definitely worse ways to spend time in COVID. I mean, you're, you're, you're staying distance doing this, and that's exactly. all that matters, right? Exactly. We won't ask exactly. any other questions. Um, no, <laughs> seriously, though, thank you for joining me. Hey, I mean, no, again, thank you. Hey, thank anyone, you. This might be a big mistake. Uh, I don't know if you've followed some of my other podcast uh, performances. They, uh, they're high risk, low reward. I was just about to say, I think anyone who's actually heard you on any other uh, podcast, I know the internal budget one was when I first heard you join a <laughs> podcast. And it was just like the funniest content I've heard in a while. I was like, after, like, I think you guys got into breaking down White Claws or something. It was like the middle of quarantine. I was like, this is, this is the content I need. I, was, I don't know if I need uh, hockey content right now. This is the good stuff. But yeah, no, thank you so much for joining me. Uh, today we got... You. A handful of Ottawa stuff to talk to. I was joking with Matt before we got on that I realized this is the worst possible time I ever could have started a Sense podcast because it is literally like two weeks after the biggest four weeks of their franchise pretty much since they started. So we don't have a ton to talk about, but we got a, we had a list and I think it should be good. Um, so we'll start with the only actual news of the week really from the Ottawa Senators perspective. And that is that they signed Kristen... Jaros, Yaros, I don't know how you pronounce it, but 
Yaros is what I say usually, to a one-year two-way deal, a uh, cap hit of $750,000. And I'd imagine it is less than that in the AHL. I don't know the number. It really doesn't matter. Um, yeah, one-year two-way. I think he probably would have been pushing for a, a one-way one deal, but I, I just don't think he's had the results to, to show that. Yeah, that's uh, I'm a little bit surprised. If, if you were to have asked me at kind of the start of the offseason, I put with quotation marks because the Senators offseason has been seven months, uh, I would have expected him to be packaged for some sort of trade. But Ottawa's trades have been kind of either minor or non-existent. We've made more of a splash kind of with some free agent signings uh, outside of Murray and, and things like that. But I don't, I don't see where he fits in necessarily. Uh, so I wasn't surprised to see him get one year. Uh, I was a little surprised uh, that he was okay with this contract. But I guess you're you're an RFA. You don't really have your options here. But it, it it feels to me like he's he's slated to be the first pairing defender down in down in Belleville, which isn't a bad thing at all. Uh, but I, I do feel a little bit bad for him because I think that on on other teams he might have been given a bit of a, a bit of a better shot. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I mean, like the the blue line's so crowded that there's a chance Branstrom doesn't even start in the majors yeah. this year, which like is crazy to say. Like, I, I keep saying it out loud, and every time I say it, I go, how can that even be possible? But, like, yeah, like, he feels like the kind of guy where this is the contract. And I think, for what it's worth, you know, I do feel bad for the guy because he looked like he had some potential a couple of years ago, but he yeah. hasn't really shown much in the NHL. Like, he's been just a whatever kind of player, you know? Like, but he's the perfect, like, guy that you pay 750 k and you call up whenever you have an injury, and that's kind yeah, of exactly. Like he, you know? he will fit really well in uh, for, for any injury call up because he, it's not like he has a specific style. Uh, he plays kind of big. He's a big, big, big body, but he doesn't throw his weight around. Uh, so he doesn't have that bruiser that he'd be replacing borrow with, or he's not, his transition game is not one of like Wallenin or even like Lajwa, though. I don't think Lajwa is as good as him. That's a whole different story, but he doesn't have that outlet pass that be, that you can put on a fourth or a, or a fifth or sixth defensive pairing just to be like, okay, he'll exit the zone. He'll be good. He does nothing bad, but does nothing great. And that's yeah. what I think is, is the biggest thing holding him back is he's just so, forgettable literally the definition of a replacement level player really yeah absolutely and i mean like as weird as that sounds like there's um not always does like the eye test and just what you see when you're watching him on the ice and you know any kind of advanced metric lineup but like you go and look in any kind of advanced stat with him too exact same same kind of idea like last season (laughs) he didn't play a ton of minutes but he was literally just like the definition of a replacement level player it's like that's exactly what I kind of see him as. And yeah. it's funny that you, you talked about he, you were surprised he wasn't packaged in a trade. And I don't really see any team giving up assets for him. But now that you mention it, like, I am, I don't, I think I probably wouldn't have been happy with it at the time. But I'm kind of wondering if, like, Anaheim would have taken him and say, instead of giving up, it's a fifth, I think, right, for Good Branson, if you flipped Good Branson for Yaros. And, Again, maybe maybe neither team wanted to do that. Maybe one did, one didn't. I don't know. But, like, that would have been also an interesting way to, you know, keep your contracts down a little bit and also you don't have to give up a pick. 
And there's, there's plus and minus side to it. I mean, like the odds that a fifth round pick even becomes Christian Yaros is low enough. So I don't think there's really a right or wrong, but honestly, like the more you say, like when you mentioned that you're surprised he wasn't traded, the more you think about it, I am definitely surprised as well. It's I, I, maybe I'm too optimistic and my, my positive uh, outlook will net, will never, will never uh, fully dissipate. But I, I thought Ottawa was going to make a huge deal of getting some garbage contract. I thought we were going to get like Louis Erickson for, for a couple of years because we're not going to be good for a couple of years. We had to hit the floor. Uh, so I thought we would do something like Yaros for Louis Erickson and a first where Vancouver can get a young middling prospect because their kind of defensive prospect pool when you look in the AHL is really, really weak. And we can take on their garbage contract, have a warm body to replace uh, what at the time I thought uh, Bobby Ryan and we could get their first out of this. But instead, Ottawa ruined my, my great plans by signing someone like Dadanov and <laughs> blowing my mind that we went for, for instead of a... Uh, a garbage veteran we went for an actual skilled kind of I guess 31 I don't want to say a young player but he's young in the NHL and has shown great promise so it's definitely the better choice on this but if you were to have asked me before that trade happened I thought we were going to be giving up Yaros in some package for a Louis Erickson or I don't know some someone out of one of the other cap strap teams maybe something to do with Tampa to give them some relief but we went a completely different direction, which shows why no one should be following me on Twitter. I don't know what anything goes on uh, past uh, me just trying to make dumb, dumb, <laughs> dumb memes. <laughs> and you know, the, like, I don't like, I think, um, I mean, obviously with Ottawa's financial situation, this is, they, they spent actually more money this off season than I thought they ever would. So like, I don't want to say credit, but like, I, I was surprised. I was uh, pretty pleasantly surprised, I would say, but like, for the normal team in Ottawa situation, if you had money to spend, you could have done the Dadanoff thing and sort of the uh, Erickson thing, but it's fine that they didn't. Um, like, and I don't know, like I'm, I'm happy that they didn't attach themselves to a deal that was like, because like, I mean, I made my feelings clear on the Watson thing. At least that's only $1.5 million. I don't understand trading for him, but you know, and the good Branson thing, I can get behind that more. He's apparently really good in the room and, at one year for four million, who really cares? But like they, they did spend a lot more money than I was expecting this offseason. Which I'm like shocked they spent any money. Like the, yeah, the like, league is in a financial strain right here. Melnick is in a uh, a financial strain. So it, it's this weird kind of two pronged attack that made me think that this was going to be kind of the most painful uh, Ottawa Senators offseason yet. But it's what I think the one I'm most positive about in the last three years. Like, and that's not even taking a look at our, our, our draft picks. Like, ignore the fact that we have a bunch of studs coming in from, from the most recent draft, but we actually made, like, a splash in free agency. Yeah, and it wasn't like a – like, the, the one thing I've said a couple times is I think free agency is the one time a year I'm happy that they have a cheap owner because you see just how many disastrous <laughs> deals are out there, right? Like, like yeah, oh. and just like Carl Alsner in Montreal. It's like, oh, my God. But like, well, look at, look at it right now. The Domi and the uh, Josh Anderson deals yeah, are, are – like, they could work out. I'm not trying to say that they won't, but that's a, a baller amount of money to commit to right now for those kinds of players. 
Yeah, or like, like even Joel Jones. Edmondson in Montreal. Yeah. Like, he's not good. And they gave him, what, like four years at $4 million? But, yeah, like, they, <laughs> they managed to spend in free agency. And I think the Murray one, it's like, this is the price you pay for an RFA goalie with two cups. I think it, it has the potential to backfire. But at the same time, it's a fine enough risk. But the Dadanov contract, like, that was, as you said, a 31-year-old forward UFA who was coming off three of the best seasons of his life in his yep. pro hockey career. That is, like, the picture-perfect version for him to just get overpaid for way too long. And they managed to get him for market, if not under market value. I think under market value. But yeah, by at least about a million. Like, I, yeah. I think I think you could easily, before this offseason, be like, no, nah, he'll go between six and seven. 100%. Yeah, I thought he was going to get, before the cap and everything, I thought he was going to get, like, seven at, like, five years. And yeah, they got exactly. him at just such a reasonable term and such a reasonable price where it's like, like, de- like that is probably the best move I think they have made just yeah. in terms of like, anyways, on purpose, anyways. In like, <laughs> yeah, we've in we've had some years, very right? lucky moves. Like, yes, the Carlson like, thing worked out in spite of itself. Exactly. Like, it's there's like, a lot of yeah. people on Twitter who are just like, "Oh, you're still mad about this deal," and it's like, it, it worked out, yeah. But like, come on, you cannot well, think that like when that trade happened, we were going to be getting Stutzel uh, because of because of that trade, and you should not be looking at it from a results oriented view. Cracks me up to see those reply guys. It, it, anything like that it's like well bad defensively literally and and the worst part about that too is it goes the other way where it's like if there was a bad thing where you say well that was obviously bad it's like well how could you know like you can never know it's like well you couldn't know about the carlson thing either so it's like pick one (laughs) way or the other here you know and but it's like exactly and the thing i was thinking about the carlson thing today actually for some reason but it was like (laughs) It would have been like it, you, because because the reply guys are always oh, oh yeah no he's so stupid you know look at that Carlson deal you all roasted at the time it's like hey so did you whoever's replying to me yeah I know you did don't freaking <laughs> lie yeah. there was no one who was like this is a good deal I can tell like literally were like well Norris might be all right and Norris yeah and it's like and even like Demello was better than expected but it was oh, just like it, it's the like, anger it's, it's, at Demello. Like yes. that, see, I'm looking at it now on the other side. People were uh, very quick to be like, "Oh no, no, no!" Demello was such an important part of the trade. Demello was this throw-in that Literally. happened because anyone could have signed him for two months, and no one did. It was just a, yeah, they, a, a they way needed to make a, it work. They needed to get a contract off, and Otto was like, "Yeah, we'll take him." And like, and it turned out to be a great piece. And like. Honestly, if Dorian would have spun the deal at the time of like, hey, we really like Norris. We think DeMello can do something. We got a first. That's better than just going, hey, look, we got seven pieces. Seven pieces is great. We got seven pieces, guys, which is exactly what they did. It was like, you guys had no idea what you were getting. You just took seven shots at a dartboard and like four of them hit pretty well. And it's like, it's not even the worst strategy in the world. It's just how you pulled it off. It's like, oh my God, you cannot go back and be like, oh yeah, no, th- we knew this is how it was going to turn out. Like, <laughs> I, Dorian, I think, is smarter than he gets credit for. But the problem is he hasn't had, there's no one who, like, I, it's the sense front office. There's no comms training for any of the people who stand in front of the cameras. So yeah. that's why you get Dorian being like, we got seven pieces instead of just being like, oh, we like Josh Norris. We think this first is going to be better than San Jose thinks. Instead, you get, I will fight someone at this arena outside of Ottawa if you want to come talk to me. Like, it's. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm cracking myself up. For, I forgot that that happened. I Literally. forgot that he went he went on radio and was like, "Well, this is where I'll be if anyone yeah. wants to come talk." And the cops had to like, go. What on what? earth? <laughs> it, it's just like, and it, it's 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 been like that for so long too. And like, oh. so I had, I had Trevor on last week to talk yeah. about some of the stuff, and one of our discussions was just like. 
do we think Dorian's a good GM? I was like, I'll give him credit. I think he's way better than I did three years ago. I, he's in the middle part of GMs where I think there's a lot in the middle where it's just like they do some good stuff, they do some bad stuff. It, it just kind of cancels each other out, right? And I he think doesn't, he's he doesn't there, have right? the ability to make a non-impactful move. And that, maybe that sounds good or bad, but he's either doing something that is so detrimental, like not signing Mark Stone, or something like ridiculously positive, like how did you get Dadunov for this? Like there's no no time you look at a Dorian move and you're like, oh, that's not bad. It's like, all right, we got Alex Burrows. And then you're like, but you got a first and a goalie for uh, for Broussard? Like how is it the same GM that pulled off the, both those trades? Like that's what I want to know is is how, how does one GM manage to fleece Pittsburgh? Yeah, yeah, Jim Rutherford. Might be the worst GM in the league, but how do you fleece them there? But then also go and get fleeced by uh, by Vancouver in the same like period of two years. Like I just don't understand how you can have that same that sort of player valuations going to have both of those things happen. It's Literally, or it's the same with like Nashville. Like you get fleeced in the Duchesne trade, and again that looks bad just because of what the team turned out to be, which I don't think you could have predicted them being quite that bad. I think there was some obvious regression from you know. Eastern Conference Game 7, but, like, to be last in the league, that's one thing. But he gets fleeced in the Deshane trade, even just from, like, the reports of if they would have added CeCe, they wouldn't have had to give up tourists <laughs> or whatever, right? It's just, and who knows, yeah. but you get fleeced in that, and then a year later, you turn around and you trade uh, Duchesne for a first to Columbus for two months of a rental, and then you yeah. manage to trade Dezingle for Anthony DeClaire and two second-round picks. And, and like, two second-round picks. Like, what? Like, oh, <laughs> and, and it's yeah. not like Yarmo was a bad GM. Like, no, Kekalainen is a fantastic GM. Like, it, it's, you know, that, that's exactly it. So the one nice thing about Pierre is you will never be bored by a move that he does. No, it will they, always yeah. make you think and be weird. And that's why I'm, like, I'm looking at this, like, the Austin Watson thing, and it's, like, uh, not what I would have done. But who knows? Maybe Austin Watson coming here will be able to play uh, a different style of game and become a very good bottom six uh, producer. I don't necessarily think that's going to happen, but maybe... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, you never know. Or even like what I keep telling myself is like, if he legitimately, if he is the 13th forward who subs in every third game or whenever you need him, you're paying too much for that, but whatever. Like, I'm that, that's fine, you know? Like, if you don't want to scratch a rookie or like a young guy or whatever every couple games, that's fine. But, you, you know, you need someone to sit, that's fine. But like, you know, there's also a possibility where we just see a game or two of Austin Watson on the top line. It's like, well, what is going on here? Like, <laughs> well, I, I think back to Zed and Kanopka, who oh that's a bit boy. of a throwback. But yeah. I remember when we signed him, I was like, we already have. I think we already had Neil on the team, and we had someone else too that liked the fight. And I was like, uh, this is this makes no sense. And then he turned out to be this weird face-off specialist, <laughs> and it was just like, and I just remember because that was, I don't know if that was Pesky era, but. It was, it, was a, a season. it would have been 2011, 2012, I think. Yeah, so it might have been pesky sense, but I just remember games where it was 2-2 with two minutes left. Kanopka would take the face off in the uh, the uh, defensive zone, win it clean, sprint off the ice, get someone who can score, and then we'd win the game with like like 48 seconds left. And it would just be like, all right, I guess I guess there's this weird little thing to Zen and Kanopka's game that, uh, <laughs> that no one else knew about. And then it yeah. turned out that it might have been performance-enhancing drugs, but that's a whole other story. <laughs> <laughs> we don't need to get into that. Poor Zenon. 
Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't even know why. We, I guess Yaros is how we started this conversation. <laughs> this is what you get with Boston. Yeah. You, you'll, hey, go mean, from, you'll go from Kristen Yaros uh, sighing to Zenikanovka taking steroids. That's how we do. Uh, that's, that's quite okay. You know, we need that kind of content this year, in the offseason this year. Um, but, yeah, I mean, like getting back to Yaros, and this can go into our lineup discussion. I, I really don't see a spot for him until injuries start to come around because you have um, Shabbat, Zaitsev, uh, will land. And I think those three are guaranteed to play. I think Branson's probably guaranteed to play. And then those are the four I have slated as our top four, no matter yeah. what. Basically. Yeah. And then you have some mix of Riley Brown um, and then Branstrom. And again, like if you want to throw LeJoie Le or uh, Yaros into that mix, maybe, but I think it'll probably be Branstrom, Brown and Riley. Don't and, forget about Zub. Yeah, and Zub too, right? So yeah. you have like you have eight legitimate NHL, well, eight defensemen that are going to be playing <laughs> on the NHL team at some point. Yeah. We'll, we'll see how we phrase that. But like, so it, Zub's it, the yeah. one I'm most curious about because he's being branded as like a Mark Mathot light, someone who who doesn't have the the best offensive skills, but is a great compliment. So it's one where I don't know enough about him because it's the KHL, and I'm I won't lie, I watch very little KHL content that isn't being passed around in a Twitter video. Yep. Uh, but I love the concept of him being able to transition into the top four for uh, like a Branstrom partner or a Shabbat partner, that stabilizing force so that they're not forced to play the breakneck pace that we made Eric Carlson do for so many yeah. years that well, he had to pay for with a cadaver ankle. Literally. And, and like, <laughs> even, yeah, like they just so desperately need people on this right-hand side to just be fine. You know, like, because, again, like, I, I, man, the Zaitsev experiment last year was something where I felt like I was going crazy because it's just like he wasn't Cody CC, so that was enough of a honeymoon period. That people didn't, <laughs> but I'm out here watching, I'm like, and it's just, it's small things where it's like, if you're kind of not paying attention, which I don't blame anyone for not paying attention to the 2019-2020 Ottawa <laughs> But it's just like, he'll make like four just minor things in his own end. It's like, what am I watching out of an NHL defenseman? Where it's like, as long as he's not playing on the first pair anymore, I would call Zub a success. But well, like, Zaitsev to me is someone who, you know what, if he's like fourth or fifth on your team, it's not that big of a deal. It's it's when his numbers start adding up that those mistakes end up really happening. And that happened to him in in Toronto too. Like, I don't understand. He's like Cody Cece where these GMs are like, no, 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 we'll we'll fix it. We'll go. I don't think Zaitsev is like Cody Cece leaves your mouth like a jar with the plays that he would make because it would just be like, I am a horrible hockey player, me personally. And I even know that what you're doing is like counterintuitive to winning a game. Whereas Zaitsev, it's more just like, Oh, you really aren't good at that. Are you? Yeah. <laughs> kind well, it's, of, kind it's of like, thing. I've always compared it to like, and you know, this is dark, I guess, but Zaitsev's <laughs> like a death, a death by a thousand paper cuts where it's just like, it's a thousand small things where it's like, geez, this is rough to watch. Whereas <laughs> Cody CC's just like a shotgun blast. You're just, you're done because it's just one thing where you're like, what did you just do? You did what? Or like, I don't know. Like, I don't know if you watch much of the return to play, but there was like a, a clip of him against the, in Columbus or against Missing Columbus. That net by, 25 feet it's like how do you how do you even manage to do that like 
He, because to, and he got so much power on it. It wasn't yeah. like he fanned on the shot or missed the no. puck. He hit it square. Yeah. He hit it fine. He just missed it that bad. It's oh, it's it's hilarious. It's it's amazing. It's just too bad that that's what everyone remembers Cody Ceci from because he's in a Leafs jersey. Yeah. I want more people to see our Ottawa Senators Cody Ceci oh. of standing behind the net, skating in front of Anderson, losing the puck, and then it's a two on zero like. It is just not even having the puck and just still standing in front of Anderson, not taking either guy somehow. It's like, what, how did you manage to do this? Like, Oh, it's, it's wild. It's wild. It's, it is crazy. Like think back for the last four years. Like we had Dion Phaneuf for multiple years there and he is not even the, like the first or second, maybe not even the third defenseman you think of as being like, oof. They weren't good. Like, Dion yeah. Phaneuf was delightfully average for our Ottawa Senators. And Literally. That is, <laughs> that is the most hilarious part. Yeah, and, like, I'm just, like, if you ever search my name up with Cody CC, and then you go to um, photos, you will see just a, a lot of stuff. <laughs> like, it's to the point where it's, like, because I – so I, I jiff every Sens game, right? Or I, I try to anyways. Yeah. And it got to the point where, like, literally the last couple things that I did aren't even that bad because I just felt so bad for ripping on the dude every single game where it's like, it's just going to feel like I'm trying to at this point, if I just post this clip of him losing his man for the ninth time out front of the net, but that's just what happened every single time. I feel bad for Cody CC because I think what happened is he was just a better player than all of his uh, junior counterparts. Because I remember when we got him from the 67s, he was heralded as an offensive defenseman. Like, he has a great shot, he has a great pass, there you go. And then we got him, and it was like, ooh, no, this doesn't fly in the NHL. I think he was just bigger and stronger for so many years that he never actually learned the hockey IQ side of things. Oh, Which yeah, is- and I mean, it's painfully, painfully obvious watching that too, right? Like, because that's his biggest thing. It's just like... He'll just let three guys stand wide open in front of the net. It's like, well, one of those guys got to be yours, right? Like, yeah, oh yeah, do do something, do yeah. something. Don't just move your stick back and forth on the ice, Cody. Please yeah. don't. But please also go on more local news and play the piano because that was <laughs> that was nice. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like from everything said, he's a genuinely good guy too. Like, he, you oh, know, like he, he's yeah. You he think about like Mark that. Stone. Mark Stone and him were great, great friends. Yeah. So, so like that's something to think of because they are the they're the opposite player. Mark Stone struggled with a lot of parts of his game, his skating, his shot was really bad on draft as well and uh and all that, but he made up for it by being so much smarter, so much calmer uh than than the rest of the players. So it's like this weird thing where if you could have pushed Mark Stone and Cody Cece together, I think you'd have a McDavid level of, uh, of a draft pick of the young, the young star who had everything just fall into his lap and the young star who, who learned how to play the game in a, in a different way. And if only, if only there was some sort of uh, merging machine we could have done to have, uh, to, to have made a hybrid Cody Cece player work. That would be <laughs> never thought of it like that, but yes, that would be quite the thing. Um, the one other thing that I want to say about Zub was some of the reason I was so confused that they made so many moves on the right side this um, off season was because I I figured one of the reasons that they actually were the team because there was rumors that he was in talks with a handful of teams. I don't exactly remember which teams they were, but I think it was four or five, and he came to Ottawa, and I just kind of figured like one of the reasons was he was. Not guaranteed, but he figured he'd have a spot in camp. And 
I'm, I'm all good with, um, um, what do you want to call it? Uh, why am I blanking on competition in camp? That's, that's what I'm trying to say. I'm all good with, you know, making someone work for the roster spot and everything like that. But like, it feels like they've crowded the, um, the defense system with so many one-way contracts where it's like, what are you, what are your plans of doing with all these guys? And to the point where like, I think Branchdom might start in the minors as weird as that sounds, but I don't, I don't hate, I, I love the idea of these players dominating. Uh, the ones that are are really good and coming in with that kind of uh, that kind of confidence and prowess and being able to be like, okay, you know what? I put up 50 points in the A. I can put up 50 points in the NHL. That's okay. And I kind of have a feeling that Ottawa is is wanting to stack uh, Belleville for for a run. If they can get this run, if the AHL happens this year, I have a feeling that Dorian wants uh, Belleville to win more than Ottawa to win. And that's why he's added some of these good Bransons or Josh Browns or even Alex Galchenyuk's is because he thinks that there's more gain for a prospect like Formanton or Abramov in, in playing in the AHL playoffs than it is to play in the NHL. I don't know if that's right, but I think that, excuse me, I think that is the reason why we've had some of these confusing pickups. Yeah, I, I go and I go back and forth on that. And I've seen the the AHL thing thrown around a little bit, and I guess I have a couple comments on that. One, I don't think it's actually the worst thing for you know, like I don't know if Formanton needs to be in the NHL this year, but I think they've also gone so aggressive with it where there there's about four four prospects I'd probably say that there it doesn't do them much good to dominate the AHL this year because they did it last year. And it's, Can I guess the prospects. Uh, yeah, go for it. So Batherson, Norris. Uh, yep. Would you put Brandstrom? Yep, I would put Branstrom. It's close, and and yeah, Branstrom. It's one of those things where he heated up so hard in the last. In for, he was just was so awesome. good down there. It's like I, I don't. You watch know those clips. You watch those yeah, clips, like, and you're just like, "What the hell are you doing, man?" Like yeah. you're you're five foot nine, and you look like you're ten feet with the amount of respect the rest of the team or the other team is giving you. That's insane. Exactly. And then it's the last one, Abramov. No, Logan Brown for me. Oh, of um, course, Logan Brown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, I mean, like I think Logan Brown. I would want to see Abramov up here at some point too, but like, just for me, those are the four because it's not even a month. It like, it's partly because they've shown that they can dominate the HL, but it's also partly because like, those are the kind of guys or the, I mean, not, maybe not as much Batherson, but especially to me, Branstrom and Brown are two guys that you really should want to know what you have out of them this year, because like Logan Brown, especially if he comes in and he can even play at a good three C level and you can predict that he might be, you know, he's going to be your two C or whatever next year. Right that is so much more important to me than hoping that he's going to be your two C or three C stepping in next year, but having absolutely no idea if that's the case. My only issue with Logan Brown is I need to make sure his bones aren't glass. Like his, his injuries it's, have been yeah. so cursed that yeah. that would be one, one, one pro of him playing a little bit of time in the A is making sure he's coming out of this really long off season, strong and ready to play. But I also think like, Ottawa, I think I think is going to be do a lot better than pundits are going to predict. I don't think we're a playoff team, but I look at us a lot like Montreal last year, where there's a lot of losses, a lot of wins, and you're probably going to fit finish six to eight points out of the playoffs. And I think that is where Ottawa is going to be. And for uh, I think that's important for for the front office to try and show like we're ready to win, we're ready to go, which is also why I think that we might see Brown uh, start in the AHL. Not that I agree with that point, but that's kind of what I have a gut feeling we're going to see. 
Yeah, maybe. And I mean, like, I, I'd be honestly, I'd be thrilled if they finished 23rd in the league or whatever. And it's because, like, well, and that sounds weird as the hell to say that, but like, <laughs> if, if it is legitimate improvement where they're actually playing Norris and it's Kachuk and Brown and Batherson leading the way and they make it to 23rd, like, I have no problem with that because that means the team's growing. You're starting to see what you got, right? If and we, come, we have Timmy Stu coming in. Yeah, we have exactly, Anderson right. ready in the next two years. Like those are those are two prospects that you can put on your team, and that's probably like a four point boost, or you know, like yeah. like four ranking boost. Those yeah. that kind of level right. of 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 compete from those players. Uh, now, does that get you into the playoffs yet? Not yet. I still think no, we need I, to make sure that our team is a little bit more balanced. Like when I we were kind of talking about talking about lineup uh before and that's that's where i'm struggling to see where ottawa goes from here is we have so many pieces like the logan brown and like you said we don't really know where he's gonna fall like is he a second line c that's gonna put up 45 points in the nhl or is he going to be is that or is that going to be colin white uh is 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 logan brown going to be our third c who you know what has transitioned his game to being a very strong zonal defense game that you can put out against a, a top line we don't know. We know that yep. in, in Belleville, he can put up 80 points or whatever, and he can look amazing with whoever you put on his wings. We need to see what he does in the NHL, and we need to see if, if it's someone that we should commit to or if this is someone we can package for a bigger impact player or prospect down the line. Not yeah, that I think that's a good idea. I'm not advocating yeah, I mean, a trade Logan Brown or anything like no, that. But but if the if the deal comes, or again, like, and that's kind of why I want to see him play this year, because if it gets to the point this year where it's like, like, I get it, he's only 22, and, you know, you can, players grow all the time after they're 22. You know, most players oh, yeah. go in the NHL. But it's like, there's also a lot of data to show that, like, your peak physical performance is, like, 23, 24. So it's not like you should expect this guy to just – if he's if he's a fourth line center this year and that's all he is, the hopes of him being a legitimate good two C are probably, if not <laughs> done, close enough to done within your organization, anyways, right? So yeah. it's kind of why, and it's like if the deal comes, you do it. But I, I I definitely agree where it's like, it's so tough to decide what you want to do this year because it's the one thing, and I'm glad that you know obviously with uh, Stutzel now it's um, it helps a lot, but. I, I still feel like Ottawa's kind of missing um, for the long term. Anyways, that one re- just really high end potential forward, and maybe maybe you get a surprise out of Batherson or Norris, and they become that legitimate like really good top line winger along with Brady Kachuk. But it still feels like they could maybe use one more of those you know game breaker types up the middle. And I, I don't know if they have it in their system because again, like I I like Logan Brown. I think more than most people have seen to over the past year. Like there was a lot of people who soured on him when he didn't make the NHL this year. And yeah, it kind of sucked, but at the same time, he looked great in the NHL, but it, it wouldn't shock you if I told you in three years, Logan Brown's not in the NHL, whether that just be like for injuries or whatever reason, because I wouldn't be like the most shocked out of that either. So you, I would you, be disappointed. Yes. Because oh, absolutely. He, I wouldn't be shocked at all. And I think I, I'm hoping, I'm hoping, hoping, hoping that Logan Brown comes in as a, like Nick Paul last year came in after doing some, some reflection and, and talked a lot about mental health and being like, you know what? I came in at such a better mental state than I ever have before. And it showed his, his play was calm. His play was smart. His play was great. That's what I want to see from Logan Brown. I feel like when I've watched him in the NHL, it's this weird mix of him fighting his own nerves, but also his, like, I expect to perform here. And 
it's confidence is great, but I think he needs to find a way to string that together for more than 15 consistent minutes in a game or in, in a, in a series of three games. He, I, I would rather see him put up zero points, but put up very, very few mistakes in 10 games. And that's, that's where I'm hoping he's coming in this, this training camp is he's coming in as a rounded player. He's, he's coming in with a, a better awareness of what his, his frame can do and a, uh, a more focused, driven look of trying to get into the NHL rather than the, hey, I'm a pretty good player. I can put up points in the AHL. Put me on your team. Otherwise, what's the point? I want to see him come in with a, not even a hockey thing, just an attitude difference. And I'm not saying he has an attitude problem or anything like that. I just think that that kind of mentality for a, for a player like Logan Brown, who has had kind of some unlucky breaks in his career at this point, well, <laughs> injury wise, a bunch of unlucky yeah. breaks, but also, yeah. you know what, you're in a different system than Ottawa. You probably are going to play a player like Logan Brown, but Ottawa's kind of weird, weird like that. Uh, and I think that he's harbored some resentment to it. And I want him to come in as a, this is my last year uh, before my RFA. I'm just going to be calm, serene, and play my game, and we'll see what happens. And that is where I think he's going to succeed. I think yeah. that when he plays for himself before he plays for this idea of, like, I can put up 60 points. I'm going to be a star. I'm going to do this. I don't need to, I don't need to work on this. My skating as hard as I can. That's when he's going to be like, oh, this is working with me. I'm getting really good chemistry with my line mates. I'm, I'm competing against top lines in the NHL. I'll put up 35 points. And I think that's where I'm, that's where I'm really hoping to see him come in. And he has been, it's been silent on Logan Brown this summer, right? Like, has there been any Logan Brown related news? Nope. And I don't know if that's a bad thing either. You know? yeah, like, exactly. That, it, to me, that's a really good thing. It means that he has, his expectations right now are surprise me. Like yep. no one is be, wants Lo, or thinks Logan Brown is going to come in and just be like uh, Alexander Dag uh, level hype hype yeah. of of the the team savior. We have other prospects that have jumped his spot. He comes in, plays a calm, smart game, and has a great training camp. That changes everything for a, a player like Logan Brown, and that's what I want to see because why he's six six, right? Something like that. He's tall. He's, huge. he's a big guy. Yeah, he's huge. His hands are so silky. For a player that big as well, his skating is choppy, and that is that's the part where he has really uh, let me down. He hasn't Mark Stoned it, where he's worked on it and made it work for him. It still looks kind of odd. It, it's gross to watch, quite frankly. It, but I he mean, makes it. It's, it's not the it works. worst. Yeah, yeah exactly. It, like, it works enough, right? Like he's it, never going to yeah. be a speedster, but you know he's fast enough for that that size. Exactly. So he know he he needs to know what his strengths and weaknesses are. He needs to showcase that in a way that isn't all about getting, putting numbers on the board. Don't get me wrong, put numbers on the board. But he just needs to show that he's a responsible, smart center at this point. And I think the third line center, third, fourth, and even second. Like, that's the thing. If you look at this lineup, who's who's guaranteed first, first line center? I don't even, like, I don't know if there is one. Exactly. It is like, an open lineup. Yeah. Like, Anisimov, like, you look at this, it's Anisimov... Yeah, are de facto number one. If you're playing, yeah. I don't hate Chris Tierney, but if you're playing him in your first center role, like pack it in. Like, yeah, it literally, <laughs> literally. like yeah. Like, cause like, I, I think what I would do up front to start anyways is, I mean, we know that Dadanov and Kachuk are going to be, if not on the top line split up, just so you have a bit of talent on two lines, but <laughs> I would, 
probably expect to see them start the year together at least. And you go Kachuk, I would personally go Colin White just to start the year, see what you got there. And then Dadanov. And then, but like, I think, honest to God, like, I think to start the year, I'd put Chris Tierney as my 2C just because see what the, like, you let the young, let Brown or someone, if he comes and earns a spot, let him start at 3C. Three. And work him his way up to 2C if he plays that way, right? Like, and then Anisimov is nothing for your team going forward. No, I, What's I the think point? he's the 12th slash 13th board. Him and I think yeah. Austin Watson will probably just kind of sub not, in. in not that I thought Anisimov was bad last year. Well, like, Artie, Artie Party fine. ended up yeah. impressing me a lot more than I expected. Like, when we made that trade, I was like, oh, great, Anisimov, whatever. Yeah. But then that last couple of months, he had a couple of buttes. He was a lot of fun. And I, he embraced kind of Ottawa a little bit more than I thought he would. Like you think about it, he's been what Chicago, New York, uh, well Columbus doesn't count because like, <laughs> I guess he's used to Ottawa because Columbus. Yeah. But like, he's got from these big cities. But he he talked real good things about the city. He was kind of buying into a lot of the team stuff there. I was impressed. But we're not going to sign him. Hopefully after this, no. let him walk. And- we don't need Artie. So, yeah, I think fourth for him. And fourth for him is is not bad, too, because you can put these younger players on his wing, and then you have a like, like Abramov, Klapik, uh, Formanton, if he gets some time up here. Putting him with someone like Anisimov, like, yeah, you're only playing 12 minutes a night, if that. But you have a stable center that is going to keep the game calm for you, and you're not going to get lost in in the pro play. Yeah, exactly. Like, he's a legitimate NHL player, and that's what you want to surround some of your young guys with, right? And, like, again, like, um, I was going to say, because I was looking at his points, I was like, oh, yeah, you know, like, 20 points in 49 games, that's not bad. And then I went, oh, he had 15 goals and five assists. Let's go take a look at the shooting percentage. 17.2% when he's got a career average of 10%. So probably not going to stay. Yeah, it's probably not going to stay, but still – but he's a legitimate NHLer, and like there is something to be said along there, where it's like he'll probably play most of the year, and then at the deadline, I would assume he'll get flipped for like a sixth Second. round pick or something. Yeah, I don't. I, even... I, I think you could go a little higher for for a team if, like if if you picture a team like let's say, uh, not Edmonton, they don't need it, but like Calgary. Let's say Calgary's sitting in in a, a wild card slot of the West. Like, do you not think hmm, you know what Anisimov has a cup? We've got. We've got some some scoring needs. Give up a third Maybe. or a second. It I depends what kind of year. It depends what kind of year you yeah, have. It. I think absolutely. last year. Yeah, I think last year if you would have juiced his numbers a bit and he had 15 goals, then sure. But if he's playing on the fourth line and he has say seven goals and I don't know ten assists or whatever, which isn't bad. But if he has that, I would say probably a fourth or a fifth or yeah, whatever. But yeah. at the end of the day, who cares, right? Like that's fine. It's a lineup, it, like. Uh, to, it, Think of this as a fourth line. Nick Paul, Anisimov, and Formanton. I don't hate it. No, I don't either. Like, I don't think it's amazing, but you know what? Like, you can put that out and you're not groaning. You no, got, no, you no, got no. Your, your speedy winger that, that might pop in some, some crazy goals. You've got, you've got Anisimov with a, with a shot, not 17%. And then you've got Nick Paul, uh, probably the most uh, responsible player on the ice most, most nights. And... It, it's not if, – if that's what you're thinking your fourth line might look at, your team's really not doing that bad. It's probably a better better fourth line than a lot in the league. It's yeah. The problem is then you look up at the other three lines. It's like, okay, maybe those aren't as yeah, great. That, but, that, that's the yeah. big thing is we, we need to have uh, a couple of our prospects enter the Brady Kachuk uh, level of skill. And yeah. once that happens, then we're doing okay. Yeah, and that's why I think, you know, what you said with, like, the playoffs, like, I think my personal – 
viewpoint of this team is this year, I kind of hope, I mean, like if they finish in the bottom five or whatever, let's say, I don't know, the goaltending falls out. I don't think it will completely fall out because I think it's actually, you know, like Hogberg and Nielsen both played pretty solid last year, but I, I love Craig Anderson, but man, he has been just like one of the worst goalies in the league over the past two or three years. And some of that's it's, not his fault, but it's yeah, still. He's also been behind some of the worst yes. <laughs> defense yeah. in the league, but he is not the Craig Anderson that we saw in the mid 2017. Yeah. Like or, 20, or 2014 to 2017. He was yeah. a world beater. Like it, it, he was like, I, I think I say about Craig Anderson is he has never had a good team in front of him. Like he had Carlson, but after the Carlson, he's good players, entire, but yeah, but like, but like he was, he played for Colorado when they were all rookies, and he yep. almost brought them into the second round of the playoffs. He played for Ottawa, where yeah, you know what, he got to the conference finals. Look at the D corpse of that uh, oh. corpse, literally corpse, because Carlson was using a corpse yeah. leg to to compete. Like oh, after Carlson, our team fell off so hard on that part, and he was out. Standing. So yeah. it, I feel bad that Craig Anderson never got the easy run of playing behind a team like Nashville or Columbus or these defense, these defensive juggernaut teams that can, that can like keep every puck to the outside because I think that he could easily have a cup because I think he's a, a fantastic goalie. He's just, he's at his twilight years. Yep. Like, like he's, he's he, what, 39 right now? Like, yeah, it's 38? not a young. Like, it's not a young yeah. thirty-nine where like no. you look at Dominic Hasek and you're like, "There's no way he's 39. It's like you look yeah. at Craig Anderson, you're like, "Yeah, you're thirty-nine, buddy." And I think yeah. I, I I'm sad he hasn't been signed. I thought he was gonna get picked up by some team to sit as their backup. And he might like, still like who? I, I looked I looked through this a little bit. Uh, earlier. I don't know. I, like, Chicago, Chicago's the one that makes sense because their goalies are like children and not like. Yeah, and like every Not highly touted uh, prospects either. They're like okay one. So have have him in Chai City maybe again. Yeah, and like you saw like last year, like I think it was last year where right around in training camp, two goalies went down for like two months, and or no, I guess it was two years ago now because it was uh, both Sparks and McElhaney got claimed from Toronto, and everyone's like, <laughs> why are you claiming those two guys? But it's like if that happens again, maybe you just go okay. Craig Anderson's been practicing all off season, right? Like. Let's like, give him a shot. Condon ended up having chances around the league. Yeah, exactly. Because, like, for that so. same reason. So, yeah, as long as he's staying there. And I, I think a, a team, kind of like what I was talking about for these bubble uh, hockey teams, like it's weird to me that Edmonton signed Mike Smith. Or was it Edmonton? or Who, who signed Mike Smith? Calgary, it was right? Edmonton Calgary again. Has, no, Edmonton, Edmonton. had Smith. I get him confused because they did that stupid goalie swap yep. of Talbot yep, and Smith. But, like, yeah. think about Edmonton. Let's say they that Mike Smith has – the Mike Smith uh, season that you would expect. And you're like, well, we're probably going to make the playoffs. You coin flip and pick up Craig Anderson because he's a, a playoff performer for league minimum in February. Well, I guess not February, whenever our season is. Yeah. Why the hell not? It costs you nothing. Yeah. If Craig Anderson is bad. Oh, well, he sits in the play in the press box. If he is, comes in and can be that, that Craig Anderson that we've seen in the playoffs multiple times, it cost you nothing. You gave it a shot. Why the hell not? Yeah, exactly. And like they have like a Miko Koskin in there too. Will probably start, but it's like he'll be the starter. But if he goes down, it's like yeah, it's probably not bad to have more than just Mike well, Smith I, as your only option. I, just, right? I don't even see Koskin in like Edmonton. Like Holland has made a big help, but like their goalie choices in the last four years have been bonkers. Like they, I don't know they, how they, they coin went... flipped Talbot. They coin flipped Talbot, and, and it failed. Uh, uh, he just didn't become the starter that you expected him to. Did he? Yeah, yeah. They Talbot went to 
Yeah, and went, then Ranta went, went to Arizona. Edmonton, yeah, so I, I went, try to remember all these friggin' goalie heaven that the Rangers are. Yeah, topping out to starter levels. Edmonton, Philly, and then Calgary, and now he's in. Oh, where did he sign a deal this year? Uh, <laughs> he signed fine. a three-year deal somewhere. I think uh, so. Oh, I, have to, I googled Camo Talbot. So uh, <laughs> if you want, if you want uh, a Camo Cam Talbot uh, uniform, let me know. <laughs> He's with the Wild. Yeah, right. Minnesota, three years. And, like, Cam Talbot's a fine tandem goalie. He was just never the starter. But, but, like, yeah. But, He's yeah, fine. how, like, last year, Edmonton had, it was uh, Koskinen and, was it Mike Smith again? Yeah, Matt it was. Smith? Right, yeah. So, it's like, how. <laughs> how no, they gave Koskinen this bonkers contract, right? Yeah, and, and, it's, and it's, the, like, another three years. Yeah, and, they and gave the most him- insane Part of it is he actually lived up to it last year, which I don't see him doing again this year. It, it felt like a luck. It, it yeah. felt pure luck that he, he was kind of all right last year. So it's, yeah, I don't know how they went in this offseason. Went, now nah, we're good with Smith and uh, Koskinen. But Here, the I, thing that shocks me more than anything is this is, there were two chances for teams to get Robin Leonard, like, yeah. like Edmonton, like Calgary. Uh, these teams that are their window for playoffs and, 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 and winning a cup is quickly closing and it's being closed quicker than anything by their mediocre goaltending. I don't yeah. understand how they sat on their hands and let Vegas get Leonard for like nothing. Right. What was their trade? The Robin uh, it was trade? a was second. It? Yeah. Robin Leonard, Vegas, Chicago trade. Like it is insane to me that hit they Maybe they just didn't trust him because of uh, his previous issues with mental health and things like that, which is disgusting. But let's say it's the NHL. They're not really the most uh, – <laughs> there's yeah, a very I, few things you can yeah. hang your hat on for the NHL. Uh, yeah, so they traded to Toronto for uh, – Oh, yeah. I forgot for Toronto was part of Zirko, that. To get yeah, the exactly. Working. Yeah, second-round pick, Slava Demon and Malcolm Subban. If that's the case, I don't know how a team like Edmonton or Calgary don't just say, here's our first. There should have been, yeah, there should have been like here's seven teams on them. Like, yeah, here, insane. Right here, here's our first. We need him. And you know what? That team immediately, either Calgary or Edmonton puts Robin Leonard in net, I think has a chance of making a Stanley Cup final. Yeah, I mean, Calgary like, a little less so like, these days, uh, but the, their biggest weakness to me for the last few years is just inconsistent goaltending. And like, yeah, Koskinen was all right. It was good. He was good. I shouldn't say all right. He was, he was good last year. Uh, but last year it was what David Riddich and Cam Talbot. Like mm-hmm. get out of here. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Like when, uh, so even last off season, I thought there should have been about 10 teams looking at Robin Leonard. Yeah. But you know, and, but, and then the, the argument was, well, who knows if he's a product of the New York Islander system, which sure. Fair enough. You sign a one year prove it deal, right? He's then playing against in front of like, the second worst D corps in the United, like even like as bad as Ottawa's was, I think Chicago's could have been worse last year because Chicago had no one on the level of Thomas Shabbat. I love Duncan Keith. The dude is washed and it's <laughs> yeah, so yeah. obvious. Duncan Keith back in, in the dynasty, Chicago. Yeah. Oh, beautiful. He has but, not looked like that for three years. And no. each year is, is not doing him any favors. Yeah. And, and I mean, like he's 36 and he's played a hard 36 years, right? Like in the, he was like logging like 40 minutes a night during the cup stint winning years. So it's like, yeah, that catches up to you. But yeah, Robin Leonard plays amazing trade deadline still. Yeah. Second round pick and you're, 
third-string like goaltender goes... A third-string goalie and a really low-tier defense prospect. Like, yeah, I don't it's... understand how you don't beat that. No. Like, yeah, you know what? You got to look at cap considerations and all that. But you make that work. You, you, you make it work because you don't have this option all that, all that frequently. And good on the Flames, good on Tree Living to say, hey, you know what? I fucked up last year. So, oh, I'm sorry if this is a nah, no swearing... <laughs> I, uh, and, I haven't and, decided yet, but go for it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and went out and got Markstrom. Because I, yeah. I, I think six mil for six years for, for a goalie entering 36 at the tail end is a, is a little bit richer than I think I would have wanted. But I, we also signed uh, Matt Murray for more than that. So yeah. it's like, you know what? The goalie market's a little bit weird when it comes to payment there. But he immediately makes Calgary, well, and actually I think that Calgary did a very good job targeting some some upgrades like Live Levo was really good. I really uh, like their depth forward, like uh, exactly. Dominic Simon. He's like he's solid. And then get it, they got what Tanev as well. Like they got yeah. a lot of like no players outside of Markstrom where you're like, oh my goodness, what a what a great acquisition. But they shored up. They yep. put up a lot of insurance, and I they're kind of a dark horse of mine to uh, to to go deeper than people think. In that division, for sure, too, right? Like, the only team that you know is making the playoffs in that division is Vegas. Like, yeah, the California teams suck. I mean, even, like, <laughs> I think San Jose might be a little better this year, but the California teams, generally speaking, suck. Um, Edmonton, who knows? Vancouver got worse this year, but, like, who knows? Like, I thought they punched they, they over there. They still have Patterson, yeah. yeah, yeah like, they punched over there, but the they mix. also have enough young players that you expect to make the leap. Yeah. Uh, like, would that they'll still be a playoff contender like, at the very least. But Arizona's a freaking mess. Like, who knows what they're doing <laughs> over there? Like, so it, it's like, yeah, like, with the Calgary, I didn't like their offseason in terms of a long term. Like, I think the Markstrom oh. contract and the Tanov contract, too, like, Tanev's, uh, he's a lot, not washed, but he's a lot worse than what people seem to remember 26-year-old Tanev being at 30 yeah. years old. But, yeah, like, no, I think they... The first two years, I like that contract. Yeah. The other two years. It's the same like, with the Markstrom deal. Like, I like the Markstrom deal for about three years, and then the back three years, it's like, ooh, that could look uh, that could look yeah. not good if it that turns could, out he's not a That could be a little a rough. No, but, but if you look at, if you look at, Calgary's contract situation though is they have a huge opportunity to blow this team up if they have to like yep, if, if yeah, they I mean, don't work like, in the next two years they've they've committed to Rasmus Anderson and I think that's about it like Backlund yeah. for four years but like, like and those and those players are are ones that you can keep around in a in a yeah, rebuild but why you, you can mil, flip but... you flip Maddie Kachuk and you flip Goudreau and even Monaghan or uh, even you, you keep Kachuk because he's only 23 well, right like but that, like, I, I would. I think he's fantastic. Yeah, but, but maybe I'm putting this out in the universe because can you imagine the Kachuk brothers <laughs> the Kachuk, on the Ottawa Senators top on line? Wow. Fun, man. That would be art. fun. That would be but, art. Yeah. I mean, like, yeah, they definitely – and, like, it's – because, again, like, it's not like their core is super young anymore. Like, Kachuk's young. He's 22. But Goudreau's 27 already. So, like, if you don't yeah. get it done in the next two years, he's going to be 29 years old. Do you want to give him – a nine to ten million dollar AAV for six or seven years. I don't know. Like maybe you don't, but yeah, I don't know. Like I, I thought there's Giordano gonna play until he's forty. I doubt it. Yeah, like he's already thirty seven. And the, and the like, moment you remove his name from that defensive core, this team is just like it's so, so even, much worse. It's even so like, much worse. Brody for Tantana for Brody is an obvious downgrade, but you're just yeah. hoping Rasmus Anderson and Yusuf Valabaki can step in and <laughs> Oliver Keelington, like they can step up and be a better, you know, what, like even 
all three of them together kind of adds what the difference between Brody and Tanev is, right? Which yeah, yeah exactly. It, it's a uh, but yeah, it's, it's a team effort. It's a uh, uh, a tribe kind of sense where everyone pitches in to, yeah. to make up for some of their losses. But you remove what Giordano's brought, especially the past three years where he's been a legitimate top five, top ten defenseman. Well, this and his, his just... time kill. Like, that's yeah, the biggest like, thing. Is yeah. He's 27-minute night guy. You don't want any of your other players here taking that role no. because they can't. They can't. Not no. many players can. And when you have something like that, it makes your team a lot better. Uh, and that, that would be my biggest fear. No, I think, I think the, the Calgary window is quickly closing. And I think it's, it's after next season. If they haven't won, if, if I was tree living, I'd, I'd say, all right, full rebuild or fire me and, yeah. and see where you land. Or if you haven't done, like, if you have another first round exit next year, yeah, yeah maybe yeah. you do look at just blowing it up, you know, or like in two years, if let's say like the end of that Goudreau contract, pretty much, it's like you go for it both those years. If you fizzle out in the first and second round, both years, yeah, maybe you do just look at, like, you don't want to let Goudreau walk, but maybe you just look at changing the team dynamic a little bit, right? Like, that, that, makes, well, that's exactly that definitely makes it. sense. Yeah. yeah. Um, and they're, they're one of these weird teams that, like, I, I, like, Matt Kachuk's fantastic. Goodrow's good, but they're not, like, uh, they don't have a McDavid. They don't have, no. like, a, a couple of players that you're like, oh, we can always pl- plug and play players around them until they work. Uh, maybe back a truck, kind of, yeah. He has that. Yeah, that I, I think he's one of the top, cut. like, 10 wingers in the league. Like, he's really, really good. He is, maybe he is 15, fantastic. But, like, yeah, he's – but, like, even him, it's like, yeah, you can kind of plug and play, but, like, what is Sean Monaghan? Like, I'm not convinced Sean Monaghan's even a first-line center. I think he's, yeah, like, the Kyle Turris mode of – or mold of, oh, like – Absolutely. He's a really, really good 2C, but if he – if he's your one C, you're maybe not the most uh, biggest cup contender there is, right? Yeah, like, exactly. He is. He is. You're not disappointed to have Sean Manahan on your team, just like we were never disappointed to have Kyle Turris. But he never feels like that's end game. He yeah. never feels like this is this is where he deserves to play. He's fought for this spot. This he he his ceiling is here. It's always like, okay, you're overperforming in this role, and we appreciate it. But we really should have someone sitting in front of you, and that's why we're gonna go out and get Matt Duchesne. Yeah, and oh. yeah, I mean, but also we're gonna get rid of you while we get mad. It's like okay, well, <laughs> counterintuitive, but whatever. It's, thankfully, and I shouldn't say this because I, I like Kyle Turris as a person. Not that I'm friends with him. That makes it sound like oh yeah, me and Kyle, you know, walk around the Glebe, have fun. Actually, he's Westboro, uh, Ottawa. Yeah, shout out neighborhoods. <laughs> um, but yeah, so for for that, it was very. I was very thankful that he didn't work in Nashville because. It, like Ottawa definitely lost the Duchesne trade, but Nashville lost it harder. Well, I mean, that's the same thing, right? Like, or not same thing. Yeah. Like I'm, it's everyone looks at, at Ottawa's because yeah, we gave up the fourth overall pick and boom, Byron looks really good. And that's going to suck. Yeah. But at the same time, like Nashville just had to buy Kyle Turris out and they gave up Samuel Gerrard, who is a top pair defenseman. He's a number two, but he is a top pair defen- defenseman. There's a chance that Byron's not, or if he is, he's just what Sam Gerrard is. They gave him exactly that. And they also got lucky that Kamenev didn't even work out. Like he looked like yep. a guy who could have been a solid third line player, but he just never really clicked in Colorado. And he's back in Russia now. I don't, I don't think he's coming back for. No, I don't think so contracts. either. It, it was always uh, one of those players when I watched him. It looked like he needed big ice. He couldn't make his his normal plays on the on the smaller ice service. So going back yeah. to the cable help. But even that, like, didn't – maybe I just read that wrong. I thought they were switching to North American ice too. Did they switch to North American ice? Oh, no, don't do that. That just – I lose my excuse for when Europeans and uh, Russians don't work out here. 
I, I, I think see. I think they did some ranks. Now that you some mentioned ring, it, yeah, because yeah, I think I thought the report was like by like 2023 they all needed to, but KHL smaller rink size. I don't even know how to find this report, but maybe I'm maybe I'm just dreaming. yeah yeah yeah. Last last December they said that they're they're changing. Okay, yeah, changing it by next year, next season. Yeah, okay. So, but yeah, still like. I get what you mean. And just even like the KHL game is so different too, right? Where it's like, it's, like Neil, Neil Yakupov, is so low. Yeah, Neil exactly. is one of the best players in the KHL right now. But it's Nikita like Nikita Filatov, baby. He yeah, was leading like, the, the league for a little bit with points. Yeah, so it's, like, it's just such a different game, right? Like, you, yeah, you never exactly. Know, but, but yeah. Oh. Um, geez, that, uh, <laughs> I didn't go where I was expecting to, and I'm quite okay with it. <laughs> Um, I don't Never plan know. with with me around because no, that is uh, quite okay. I, I'm glad I only have four down. Um, <laughs> I guess we can talk about the last thing. I just kind of wrote it down. And sometimes during the week, when I think of just things to talk about right now, I'll just kind of write them down. And last thing I just had written down here was Sen's captaincy. Um, yeah. I, I, I believe if I heard it right, I think it was a Garyosh report, maybe that kind of said suggested they weren't going to name a captain this year. Um, yeah, really I remember that. It. He he said that they heard there's no captain, but then there's just been captain talk constantly yeah. from every corner after so, that. So And like, so I don't know. Like, I, I guess I was just going to kind of ask you, do you think it's a good idea, bad idea? Do you not care if there's no captain this year? And, um, you know, eventually who do you want to be uh, the captain of this team? I think there's a couple options. I Two, two are pretty popular usually, yeah. but there's always a couple <laughs> others that get thrown in there. But um, what do you think about, like, should they have a captain this year? Does it matter? Does it not? Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Captaincy is weird because I've played sports growing up and everything like that, and there's always a team captain, and they were, they were great. But I always think of it in the NHL, and it's like – don't get me wrong. I think Alfredson was a fantastic captain and I could see what he did, but then it was Spezza and Carlson and Carlson was a good player, great player, but I never saw anything on the same level as Alfredson for captaincy. So I, I don't hate just running with a bunch of assistants being like, Hey, look, we know that you have some leadership qualities in you. Please keep going with it. But why pull the trigger on this C is my thought. It's clearly going to be one of Shabbat and Kachuk. Yep. Right, that's when yep. we're talking those two. Like, yep. I, I think Colin White's a, a super dark horse, but I also Connor see how Brown the, maybe even like yeah, I can see Connor. Uh, honestly, if we were to pull the trigger this year, I'd want it to be Connor Brown because yep. that's a non-commitment. Three year, two two three years or whatever. Exactly, two three years of captaincy, letting uh, Shabbat and Kachuk not worry about that for their game because mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. always my biggest fear. Is it, there's not many players like. Uh, Daniel Alfredson, who can shoulder a city. And yeah. Ottawa is not an easy city to... When you're losing, well, when you're losing and expecting to win, we're not a fun fun team to, to, to play. Yeah, for. I mean, like, I know Ottawa, you know, sometimes gets the attendance jokes or whatever, but those are way overblown because it's like, especially when you look at some of the... Um, you know, Southern United States, even uh-huh. like the, like Dallas, like Dallas has a great fan base, but it's like, I can almost guarantee the media coverage here is probably way more aggressive than they are. Oh, in the Dallas absolutely. Stars, right. Like, absolutely. cause it's a cowboy city. Right. But yeah, I don't like my thought on captaincy has always just kind of been like the sea itself is just a symbol. Yeah. Um, like, and again, like I don't, I never do that hashtag play the game thing because I played <laughs> freaking locally growing up my, like my whole life, but I, I always played. But the thing was like, when I played, it was like, 
it didn't really matter who had the captains, like the C, no. there was the core group of four or five guys who you listened to in the room and who did the talking on the ice, right? And yeah. what the C really represented was just like the guy who goes and talks to the ref, because that is literally the definition of what the captain needs to do when it comes to an NHL rule book is if there's a problem that the bench has, the captain is supposed to go to the ref and talk to them about it. And but guess you what? what? Brady could talk to be the player who's talking <laughs> yeah, to your ref? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. So if you have three assistants, they can do the exact same thing. Yep. And that way it's just like, I find a lot of the time where it's like, I don't think Carlson or Spezza were necessarily bad captains by any means, no. but it's like, yeah, you can definitely tell where there's some guys where it's just like throwing on the C doesn't really add that much of uh, that much more um, authority really, because everyone in the room knows exactly who, who to look to or, or whatever. Right. But it just, it adds that much more pressure from the outside fan base. Cause the fan base just looks at it and goes, Oh, he's got the C he must be the best player or the most important player, you know, which it does add a lot of pressure. So like Carlson too, like the reason why he had the respect so much was because he was so much better than everyone else. Yes. Like and, and he, better. Yeah, exactly. No one could deny that. So that's how yeah. it worked for Carlson. I don't think he was the charismatic leader of the group that, that, uh, could lead a team like like some other captains previously, or the Alfredson and Taves style captain of like, yeah. look, I'm gonna bleed on this ice. If you're gonna abandon me here, that's on you. But I am not gonna abandon and like bring the team up that yeah. way. So I look at it here, and it's like I don't I, I don't know if I see either of those modes in Shabbat. Not that I don't think he's by far like the best defenseman on the team and miles ahead of better than everyone else. But I think he likes a little bit more subtlety. Like he doesn't jump in front of cameras for, for a whole bunch of things. Like you don't see him in a, a whole bunch of content and all that. I think he likes being a little bit more nondescript, being a really good player, having assistant things. But I don't know if he wants to be the, the person who has to walk into the press room after, after losing the first round, getting swept and own it. Yeah, I think Brady Kachuk has no problem doing that. Yeah, Brady Kachuk might, can do might everything. Absolutely, do that. You know, he'll he'll go out and he'll he has like if listen to Brady Kachuk if you heard him being interviewed on on Team Twelve Hundred or TSN Twelve Hundred uh, a couple of weeks back was it's this kid is is twenty one and he he speaks so eloquently oh. and he he has this natural charm to him that I think lends himself great to a captaincy a media speaking role but now we're back to do you want do you want the person arguing to the ref that hey we didn't deserve that penalty to be the player that everyone watched the night before like cheekily like two hand the... dude in the back of the leg <laughs> yeah, getting exactly. in front of the net. Yeah. Like, like lean over a goalie and unclip his back yeah. pad to be a dick like exactly. there, there's a double yeah. a, a two-pronged thing so that's where if we are naming captain i hope it's connor brown that's uh, a short-term commitment i think connor brown is great in front of a camera i think he's very well versed in media-centric roles coming from toronto and then ottawa and i think he's smart kind and i like I, I guess kind of important. Yeah, he's a good guy. He's yeah. he's he's a, a good guy. He's very genuine, very sincere, and I think he he would do a very good job in in the role. It's just not. I don't know if he's long term Ottawa's. Uh, yeah, I can't see him being Ottawa's you know more in like two years or whatever. But yeah, exactly. And, and that'd be okay. And but like, yeah, I don't know. Like I just uh, there's definitely different ways a, a captain can lead too. You know, like I, I feel like sometimes fans get caught up in the especially like not, maybe not here in Ottawa. I think most people loved Eric Carlson for what it was, but there was a small segment of the fan base that didn't like that. He wasn't uh, Daniel Albertson or he didn't lead like um, 
um, Taves did or anything like that. And yeah. You don't need to, you know, like no. some, it, it works out great when you can, or if, you know, you get to some guys that are like, yeah, man, I would run through a wall for this dude. But at the same <laughs> time, like you saw in that 2017 run, like the team was willing to run through a wall for him when, you know, like he, he mouthed out Broussard, the one, uh, it was, was it game four against the Rangers? Where he mouthed out Broussard on the bench, and then yeah, and then they had then, that beauty. Yeah, wheeled around the entire offensive zone, found Broussard in front of the net, and just the the be- one of the best pictures of the last decade of Broussard falling onto Carlson because he's got a bad leg, and the whole team just jumping on him as well because they pretty much <laughs> knew the game was theirs. But it, yeah. it's just like those those two things are like not interchangeable, but you can kind of lead in both ways, and that's why it's just kind of like not often will I say I just defer to the team because I, I think. A lot of the time, just saying, I'll just defer to the guys who are in their job because they know best can not get you in trouble. Like, if you want to do that, it's fine. But, like, at the same time, there's like, a that's line. How, there's a yeah, line. Like, right, exactly, right? Like, sometimes you get complacent. But with captaincy, they could name just about anyone. I'll say just about anyone because there's, there's a handful of people where I'd be like, I. Your, Galchen your Yuck, I'd be shocked. Yeah, yeah, I think that exactly, would be That right? would be a weird pick, yeah. but... <laughs> but, like, there's, like, most people on the team, like, if they name, they go off the board, and I, I don't even know who I could name that would be that, that surprising me. They go off the board and name someone, right? Even, like, I think Connor Brown would be off the board enough. Yeah. I'd be like, yeah, you know, like, I hope it was a coaching and team decision, you know? Like, because if that's who the, the, the team in the room thinks the leader, that's what's important, right? Like, and it, it shouldn't matter anything past that. Oh, absolutely. And that's when people obsess over it. Like, Spezza got so much shit. And it was just because people perceived Spezza as lazy, and he was, like, the the antithesis of uh, of uh, Daniel Alfredson, of the that kind of style. And that was completely wrong at the time, but that was just his public perception. People were so mad at Spezza being the captain. Yeah. And being like, oh, this is why the team's bad now. And I'm like, do you really, really think that Spezza being the captain has affected anything? No, the team's bad because we lost Daniel Alfredson, made a knee-jerk reaction to get Bobby Ryan, and he didn't make up for negative uh, Elfie and negative Silverberg. And, and that's, that's what it was. Like we weren't a good team beforehand. We were just barely good enough to make the playoffs. And this weird perception that this captaincy is some sort of like magic bean that changes, changes like this dynamic you need to have. It's like, well, no, like it, it doesn't like the, the, the biggest thing I think is who's the captain in Colorado right now. Uh, Yeah, I bet you 90% of casual NHL fans would be McKinnon. Duh, he's the best player. (laughs) No, because for a while it didn't look like, well, A, it didn't look like he was going to be this good. But at the same time, it's just like Landeskog was the heart and soul of the team. And clearly, and I'm sure like McKinnon probably has a massive voice in that room. But Landeskog was the one that, you know, they voted on as captain. And there's just nothing wrong with that, in my opinion. Like it just like, to me, it's one of those things where it's like people talk about it. Like me and you just talked about it for 20 minutes, but it's like, (laughs) people obsess over it and like i couldn't give a damn one way or the other like if they come <laughs> yeah tomorrow, absolutely like i would they, prefer if they did something wild and weird and they were just like mm, we're gonna have two week captaincy rotations <laughs> like yeah, i'd be like yeah, yeah. I'm down. Like, i don't, I don't even know what if you do that but that would be fun but yeah okay, exactly. let's but, get uh luago back and make him yeah captain. but yeah like I, I don't know like if they come out tomorrow and be like kachuk's captain, all right sick cool. if they come out tomorrow and be shamat's captain, like all right cool like yep Equally, whatever you know, like if they go with Connor Brown, like oh, didn't expect that, but you know what? All right, let's go <laughs> with it. it. You know, like so, uh, yeah. I don't know. Like it just it was one of the things where I, I think I saw it in the news again th- this week, and I just kind of jotted it down. I was like, huh, that's a good talking point. But like, 
I feel like it's probably one of the most overrated things in all of hockey. Just the, the C in general too. Like, because even like the A's don't get talked about at all. Like no one cares <laughs> of a team. It's just the captain that people care about. Like, think back right now. Who are the biggest captains you remember? Like, give me five. Like Messier, I guess. Okay. I mean, yeah. even him, like, I'm, I'm too young to remember him. It's just everyone's it's, talked it's about everyone him. Everyone talked about him. Yeah, I'm the yeah. same boat. Like, I was, like, four when he won the cup with the Rangers. And, yeah. Right? I wasn't even born yet. So, <laughs> yeah. So, like, but, like, I guess, like, Messier, like, for me, I always think Alfredson just because yeah, that's who I grew up watching. Um, I guess growing up near Toronto, Sundin would be one as yeah. well. Um, Taves, you know, in, in he, this kind of era, Captain Canada, of course, yep, Captain yeah. Canada, and and Crosby, I guess, like, yeah, yeah, it, it, like I I agree fully there. I think I'd probably put a Gimla there. Yep. And and you know what? You kind of have to struggle to think of that. And there is what we're probably reaching in this era of what we've picked from, like a group of like two hundred and twenty-five captains. Yeah, like, and it's like, yeah, we've got some, but there's no one who's like, oh, that's easy. It's these five. These are the great captains, and it just shows that you know what, a good player that is a captain, you'll remember him as a captain, but it's it doesn't matter. No, it exactly. Doesn't matter. Like, yeah, exactly. Like, I couldn't remember. I couldn't tell you which one of the Sedin twins was the captain of that team, but I know <laughs> yeah, they no. were both freaking unreal. Like, <laughs> and, and I figured, like, you know what, they were probably both the captain. Like, yeah, exactly. If, if they could have got, if if the league would have let them, they both would have been the captain. Yeah, and I don't know, maybe they – I have no idea. I think – man, I think it was Daniel. I, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I think so, too. It was the one that scored a little less. Y- yeah. I, I, I But, like, that's how little it matters because it's like <laughs> maybe neither of them were the captain, and I had no idea. It would not yeah. matter to me because it's like <laughs> I just remember them as the cornerstone of that team because they're the best players, you know? So Yeah. And, and that's all that matters. The best players are going to come through. And, you know, like, even just, like, now, like, I'm trying to think around the league if there's – it feels like there's less teams with captains, but maybe it's just because um, most of the news coverage I read around here is Toronto and Ottawa, and neither te- neither of those two teams have had a captain for two or three years now or more, right? But the Islanders I mean, like, too, I think. Yeah, I think the Islanders. Does you're Buffalo right. have one? Eichel, I would assume. Is Eichel the captain? But who knows? Like that's the yeah, thing. Yeah. It's like uh, uh, captain of the Buffalo I- Sabres. Yeah, it's Eichel. It's Eichel. Okay, well, makes sense. Yeah. He's the like, GM there not? as well. So. <laughs> but like, but then, I don't think like does the Devils Montreal don't have one is, anymore. Is Gallagher their captain? Weber would be their captain. I believe. Oh, of he, course. Yeah, I forgot about that. I, I, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, and but even that, like, yeah, it's just like I thought it was Gallagher for a little bit too, but I just remember because it was. Oh, it's because he's their heart and soul player. He's their, he's their energy. He's their, their, their exciting player, and that's what people default to. Like you were talking about with uh, McKinnon. Yeah. But like. Weber has the respect. That's a weird trait to do. Like, let's, we were talking, going full circle talking that, about like that. Like, who would have thought that, like, down the line, Montreal won the Subban Weber trade? Yeah, wow. okay. well, and like, it, it's funny because um, when you look back at it now, you kind of go, um, when you have the hindsight of Subban's injury, you go, okay, I guess it makes a little bit of sense. It still, to me, was crazy at the time, but not because of the risk. I feel like that was the most overblown thing in terms of Montreal is was the risk of Weber not being good when he gets to like 38 or whatever, because if he <laughs> retired, if he retires, yeah. Montreal doesn't eat any of that. It's, it's like the $14 million cap hit that goes on to um, uh, uh, Nashville. Nashville. So yeah. it's like for them, there's literally no risk unless he gets to 40 and he's horrible. And he's like, nah, I want to keep playing. Like you're going to be playing me. I owe it to Dan- or David yeah. Boyle. I can't do like, it to him. 
I don't really see whoever's <laughs> that kind of guy either. So it's like, no. at the time, it was more of just like, I think it's fair to still freak out about it just because of how good P.K. Subban was. And even for like... Well, and it, it's like the same thing for Carlson is P.K. Subban was their personality. Yes. Like, um, and that's, that's the biggest thing I think we lost with uh, Eric Carlson for Ottawa was such an energetic personality to the team. Oh, yeah. And you just love hearing him talk or whatever yeah. too, right? But yeah, and like with Subban, like I feel like his last couple of years... Um, just, you know, him being injured and everything and just, you know, all personality for good or bad or whatever, that kind of, like, hid just how freaking good he was when he first got to Nashville. Like, oh, yeah. those first two or three years in Nashville, like, he, they have a disgusting blue line, but that trade was part of the reason they made a run to the cup finals. Well, like, I was going to say, yeah, you remove you remove uh, Subban from that, that decor, and even though it's one of the best decor has ever put together in the history of the NHL, in my in my opinion, I don't know if they make the finals because he not was such year. a yeah. no, absolutely no, not. Like, I yeah. think he was so important for that kind of dynamic transitional game and yep. being able to play on the specialty teams the way that he did was just outstanding. Yep. So, yeah, that year and then the year after were just like the two of the best Subban years we've ever seen. Yeah. And then it just it was a shame that in eighteen nineteen he got hurt. Nineteen twenty is you know he seemed to have back problems as well. But like. Yeah, like, it's just, like, it's – because Ellis and Eckholm have gotten better in the last two years as well, which is funny to say. But, like, like yeah, that 2017 team ran through him and um, Yossi. And like, he was just so good that they needed him there. And it's, like, that kind of crowds it. So, it's, like, when you look back at the trade, it's, like, damn, it actually looks good for Montreal right now. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's more because they don't really harbor much risk if Shea Weber retires or goes on LTIR, right? Like, and to – Weber's credit as well. Like he's held up a lot better than I would have expected even getting into age 35, 36 year old Weber. Oh, uh, I, yeah. <laughs> like I thought as a Montreal Habs hater, I was excited to see this era being like, <laughs> he's not going to have this shot. No, his, he still looks like he's like 31. Yeah. Like and he then, like, looks absolutely like he does not look out of place or showing his age at all, which is spooky. Yeah. No, it, it's like, it's, gross like it's like and he's kind of one that um has really been helped i think by um i'm not gonna say load management because that's not really what they do with him but it definitely anytime that anything is um bugging him at all he uh he sits for a couple yep. games at a time and and that's not a bad thing at all like i think more nhl players should embrace that kind of mindset of like i'd rather be 100 percent. so when the playoffs roll around i can be out there for 30 minutes a night or whatever right instead of like last year he played 65 games so he probably missed six or seven games the year before he played 58 and the year before he played 26 I guarantee he probably could have played a little more than those numbers he just he didn't because in the especially in the 58 year uh, game year I remember there was like a couple times where it was like yeah he might be able to play but we're gonna not risk it and you know just let him sit for another two games and what's the point exactly yeah exactly and like at any age that's smart but especially when you're 34 33 34 and you've played that many minutes yeah oh absolutely well think about carlson imagine if he had actually ever taken like his entire injury projected time he always rushed back yeah Yeah, so far ahead team was so bad right like (laughs) he couldn't sit around and 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 watch that garbage i can't blame him but but like imagine if he had spent like an extra two weeks or an extra month and and let his ankle kind of get back to uh to normal but it honestly ended up being san jose's problem not our problem so yeah uh, and i mean like 
it's bad it's it's weird too because it's not even like this past year was his ankle it was his groin it was his it was yeah like he just it was and i think i saw you tweet about it a couple weeks ago and i'm fully on the this could be a carlson revenge tour train this year where it's like he's probably one of the only players that like the nine months off or whatever they've had so far it might really benefit him just like exactly what he needed yeah just get him completely healthy you know, I'm sure, like, his skill's not going anywhere. You know that. So you just get him completely healthy, get him a nice big training camp to ease back into things, and I could see him just throwing up, like, 82 points again this year. if they. Oh, uh, yeah, exactly. I'm trying, I'm, not, I'm trying not to do points totals this year because, like, Cause how many games yeah. are we going to get? But, like, I, will, I am going to be, and I'll, I'll go on any, any platform, I will be shocked if he gets under 0.8 points this year. Yeah, like, I could just see him going back to, like, 2017 Carlson and just destroying worlds for another year. I also think uh, San Jose with some of their veteran exodus, like have the ability now to make their system and their team work around Eric Carlson, Mm -hmm. which is a lot better than trying to make Eric Carlson work around something else. And I think that's the direction they're going to go. And I think that's going to do wonders for that team. I don't think their playoffs good because they lost like what, how many points did they lose? on the off season, something crazy, like 80 points. Oh, yeah. I don't know. Like they, well, Thornton left, you know, they still yeah. like Pavelski left two years ago. Yeah. Their goaltending sucks. Like, <laughs> how does, they, yeah. How did they, they, they not do anything? Maybe they'll they, be the Craig Anderson. Well, the weirdest part is they go, okay, we have the 28th worst goalie in the league in Martin Jones. Who should we add? Oh, the 30th worst goalie in the league in <laughs> Devin Dubnik. It's like, how is that what you thought was going to fix this? But I, I don't see them being a playoff team either, but I think they will be better than third last, which they were last year. Like they, because as much as we joke, like they do still have talent on the team. Logan Couture, Evander Kane, Timu Meyer, Thomas Hurdle, Kevin LeBlanc. Like those are good players, you know, yeah. like actual oh. NHL players and good Absolutely. ones at that. And, and you on the back end, the- like, Burns, Burns and Carlson. And Carlson, like yeah, Burns is entering his kind of his twilight years, and yeah, not Glass that player washed up for a couple of years. Uh, but yeah, like, but he's not he's not horrible. He's not. Like, Radim Simic, Mario Ferraro, yeah. like you have a couple guys who are NHL level defensemen, so it's not like you have just a bunch of absolute no ones sitting back there, right? Like yeah. So I don't know. Like, I think they'll be okay. They'll definitely be better than they were last year. But I, I just I can't see their goaltending not letting them down again. Yeah, and they need they need a at least like I'm very surprised they didn't sign uh, like a player like Dadanov or or something like that. I guess you can't go after Mike Hoffman in their case, but yeah, like someone like that would have been what they needed. Someone who can yeah. pop twenty there's, goals. They're so against the cap too, though. Like they only have three <laughs> million space. Like I know, isn't it funny? Yeah, but yeah, I, I, I should make fun because glass houses and all that. We've had oh, our they own issues, have but. probably the one of, if not the. I think the Islanders might be a little uglier, in my opinion. But like, they have one of the grossest cap friendly sheets available, just because it's like, Couture goes off the page with an eight million, and he's already thirty one. <laughs> yeah, he's got five more years at seven. He's twenty nine. I love me some Eric Carlson, but seven uh, more years at eleven and a half when he's yeah. already thirty. It's like, oh, Red Burns. Yeah. Five more years, eight mil. He's thirty-five. Class it. Six more years. <laughs> like that's the crazy. Yeah, exactly. It just keeps like you see it, and you're like, oh, that's kind of ooh, ooh. It just yeah, keeps getting like, worse and worse and worse. 
Yeah, their their average defense age is twenty eight point seven, but the problem is all of the money comes from guys who are thirty, thirty five, and thirty three. <laughs> it's like, oh no, that's not getting better. But no. yeah, I, I don't know. It'll be an interesting season whenever we do get started. That's for sure. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um. All right. Well, that's uh, went longer than I was expecting. I'm very happy for it. I'm glad we actually have some content this content, week. Content, baby. Hell that's yeah. what, if you don't know what to do, you get me on because I just I, I never shut up. It's my specialty. Oh, this is perfect. Um, thank you so much for joining me. Uh, I'll let you. I know. I'm assuming Twitter is what you want me to plug here. I usually say plug uh, some stuff. So go ahead and play, plug maybe, some maybe stuff. Maybe I'll, I'll plug like I don't know. Be a good person. Like think of think of your fellow your fellow COVID strugglers right now. Be nice to someone. Reach out to people who might be struggling, and uh, let's uh, let's hope that this election doesn't doesn't make everything worse. Yeah, that, no that's what I'll plug. But also at Matt Bossy on Twitter. Follow at your own peril. I'm a terrible terrible tweeter, but at least it's fun. It is fun. It is a lot of fun. I will I will <laughs> give that word that it is a ton of fun. Um, thank you so much for joining me today, Matt. This was an absolute blast. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, once again, thank you to the one and only Matt Bosty. Uh, that was uh, so much fun to record. I hope you guys enjoyed it as much as I did. Um, you can find the podcast on Twitter at Last Word on Sends. You can find me on Twitter at NHL Sends and stuff. If you want any details of when stuff's coming out or anything like that, you know, follow the account or follow me there. Um, thank you everyone for listening, and we will talk to you all next week.